Would you show your appreciation to Pastor Chuck this morning? We're so grateful for the man that he is, the pastor that he is, and the heart that he has. If you're new around here, one of the things that we've said over the years is we don't necessarily believe that God's called us to be the biggest church, but as best we can, we want to lead with the biggest heart. And so we are super grateful uh, for our pastor and how he leads us in that and how you guys are so faithful being part of that. My name is Bobby. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And it's crazy. Next month marks year 13 for me, which is pretty crazy. Um, it's, um, we were hanging out with some friends Friday night and just sort of telling the story. And I, I never saw how God was going to use this church in such a wonderful way in my own heart over these last 13 years. And so I'm super grateful for that. Uh, if you are new around here, we'd love to know that. Uh, if we can, we'll put the QR code back on the screen. But if this is your first time here or your first time in a long time, even if you're watching online, we would love to know that. We'd love to send you a gift this week and send you an email and just say hello and answer any questions that you may have. But if you have a Bible, go ahead and be finding Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we're continuing our teaching that's called Imagine Immeasurably More. Imagine Immeasurably More. We've been in this for several weeks now, and I would encourage you, if you've missed any of the weeks, to go back and catch up. But we believe that God has something even more for us. Are you tracking with me? That God has something on the horizon. I think back when 2020, before COVID hit, everybody went into 2020 thinking, 2020 is going to be amazing. I heard so many pastors do Vision 2020 series, and uh, then COVID hit. I'm like, y'all didn't see that coming, did you? Didn't see that coming. And uh, as hard as the last 18 months have been, I believe God has something more for every single one of us. God has something more. Well, back in, um, I'll, I'll never forget one afternoon back in 2008, when I went to visit my dad at a, re- a physical rehabilitation center, he had had uh, surgery to remove a tumor that was wrapped around the base of his spine. And that tumor had been there for so long that he had lost strength in his legs and he was just weak. And between chemo and radiation, he needed 24-hour care. And I went to visit him, and he asked me to bring the red checkbook. This is a checkbook that now is in my desk at home. At the time, it was my granddad's checkbook. It's red because he was an Alabama fan. Don't hold that against me. And my granddad, in those last few years, was starting to slip mentally a bit. But my granddad's heart was always that his family would be taken care of. My grandmother had retired early, and so he wanted to make sure that she was taken care of. My aunt was in a horrible car accident in the 80s and wasn't able to work after that. He wanted to make sure she was taken care of. He was very proud of where he came from in southwest Alabama, Wilcox County, and uh, he, he had made decisions over the years to live simply so that he could make sure the rest of his family was going to be taken care of. And so that red checkbook represented that, that he was still living, he was still alive, but he had basically said to my dad, I want you to handle my finances to make sure my family's taken care of. And so the goal was that my dad would do that, and the goal was that 
that years and years later, if anybody else needed to do that, that would fall on me. But after cancer surgery and after my dad's body beginning to fail, I'll never forget that first day he handed me that checkbook and he wanted me to write the checks to my aunt and to my grandmother and for the power bill, the gas bill and all those things. He wanted me to do it. I didn't know it in the moment. I was praying for a miracle. I didn't know in the moment my dad was preparing me to be able to do those things in case he passed. And I'm telling you, as a 29, 30 year old, that was a lot of weight. There's a lot of, a lot of family history. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of backstories. Probably your story has, your family has as well. But on that day, my dad gave me that checkbook and little did I know that three months later, I would be the sole person to carry that after my dad's passing. And a lot of stuff came my way. There's a lot of stuff that would pop up. There'd be a lot of needs in our family. There'd be uh, uh, financial needs for my aunt. There'd be medical needs for my grandmother. There'd be a lot of decisions that had to be made between my brother and myself. And every single time I sat down with that checkbook, the thing that helped me was I could ask the question, what would my grandfather want me to do? Does that make sense? Like when there's a lot of stuff going on around you and there's a lot of decisions to be made and there's like, well, you know, do I listen to this person? Do I listen to this person? Do I, do I meet like an immediate need or do I try to meet the ongoing need? Do I try to meet the, the you know, if I, if I spend money on this little thing, it may help in the moment, but it may actually cause a problem down the road. And so in those moments, I just stopped to ask that question. If my grandfather could make the decision today, what would he want to do? And I can't tell you how form, forming of my heart that's been. That in my own heart, as we got our own checkbook once we got married, and we started making our own decisions as a family together, what is the heart, not just of my father, not just of my grandfather, but what's the heart of my heavenly father? And so as Pastor Chuck's been talking about year end and just putting before us the sense that God has something more for us, it would be impossible to talk about something more without asking the question, what is God's heart for our generosity? And I get it sometimes in churches, I don't know, you know what your background is. In some churches, every week they talk about money. And so sometimes we come from those churches and we're like, man, if they talk about money one more time, I'm going to throw a hymnal at them. And then there's some churches that never talk about the money. There's some churches that, that, that act like it's not a big deal, to, that it's not important to talk about it. But get this, when you look in scripture, about 25% of Jesus' teaching was actually about money. Think about that. One fourth of every message he gave had something to do. About, can you imagine if one Sunday a month, the whole sermon was about, y'all would be like, we want Chuck back in the pulpit, right? Get rid of Bob, right? But here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew the way that we view our stuff impacts the way that we live. And Jesus knew that it's not really about money, it's really about our hearts. And so I want us to look at this today. I want us to think about the shifts in our mentality around the generosity and the heart that God has for us. If you have a Bible, we're in uh, Luke chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screens. But if you're able to, let's just stand for a moment as we read God's word together. One little section that uh, is going to help us 
to think about what are the shifts, what are the ways that you and I can think about the heart of our Father when it comes to, our Heavenly Father, when it comes to generosity. Here's what it says in Luke 11, starting in verse 33. This is Jesus speaking. He says, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when the lamp shines its light on you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, that uh, we get to gather together online in person. Thank you that we get to worship you today. Lord, we pray that as we read your word, that you'd cause the words to come off the page and impact our hearts and our lives. Help us to be different after we leave here because we've spent time with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. I guarantee you that when I read this passage you're like, what in the world is going on here? It's, it's kind of familiar. It's a familiar metaphor, uh, but it seems a little strange at the moment. But as you think about this idea of generosity, here's one of the phrases that I think all of us has heard. It is, be, it is more blessed to give than to what? Than to receive. And so that, that's sort of an obvious teaching of Jesus, that Jesus says, hey, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And blessed is a word that actually means happy, wholeness, that, that sense of I've got purpose, I've got reason. It's, it's actually better to give than to receive. There's a book called The Paradox of Generosity. And here's some of the stats or some of the bullet points they say in the book, uh, The Paradox of Generosity, that generous people are happier and healthier, that generous people actually live longer, Generous people have lower levels of depression and anxiety. Generous people are more interested in personal growth. Generous people have better long-term relationships. And so there's this interesting connection between money and happiness. Sometimes the world thinks, well, the more money I have to spend on myself, the happier I'll be. If that were true, then we wouldn't see so many celebrities or billionaires uh, really wrecking their lives. There is a connection between happiness and money, but research shows that the happiest people aren't the people that spend the money on themselves, it's the people that spend it on other people, that there's something about having a heart of generosity. And so this morning, I just want to give you just some think, ways to think about the shift of, instead of thinking about money the world does, for us to think about the way that God does. And the first part about this, as we think about the shifts and, and finding connection with the heart of the Father, is it starts with our mindset. When it comes to generosity, there's a mindset that comes with generosity. There's a way, it turns out the way that we think impacts the way that we live. And that's not shocking, but, but oftentimes when we think about generosity, we start, if we're not careful, we'll start with, well, how much money is in the bank? What is my balance today? If we're not careful, we'll start with the tactical side of it as, hey, can I afford to be generous today? But as we cultivate the heart of our Heavenly Father, it starts with our mindset. Look at what Jesus says as he's talking to them. He says, no one lights a lamp and he puts it in a place where it'll be hidden. Now in our day and age, we have the luxury of electricity and we've got light bulbs and, 
And uh, in fact, we've been spending $100, I think, $10 per light bulb in our parking lot to, to get a, the parking lot back online. So we're fortunate, right? We've got first world problems where we have light bulbs that can burn out and we get lifts and we replace them. But in their day and age, they didn't have light bulbs. In their day and age, they didn't have electricity. In their day and age, they didn't have those things. They, but they did have lamps that you filled with oil. And oil was not cheap. And it's very similar. I was thinking about gas prices on my way in this morning. I'm like, in our world, oil's not cheap either, right? But for them, it was so costly, it was so precious that, that the metaphor is this, look, if we're going to spend money on this oil, and if we're going to spend money to light this thing, if we're going to spend uh, invest money in this, obviously, if you're going to spend the money, you're going to raise it so it has the most impact. You're not going to hide that lamp. You're not going to put a basket on it. You're going to put it in a place of prominence. So he uses that picture. But then he transitions to talk about their eyes. And this is so interesting because he says uh, in verse 34, your eye is the lamp of the body. And when the eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your, your body is also full of darkness. So when I used to read this, I used to think, well, he's just talking about our eyes and you've got to have light shining from the outside into your eyes so that you can see. But as I began studying for this week, one of the things that I learned is like if you're to look at the word eyes, especially if you are reading from the NIV today, there's a footnote that when it talks about healthy eyes, it's actually implying generosity. It's actually talking about generosity. And what Jesus is essentially saying in my mindset, I, I, I'm thinking light comes from the outside and it shines into your eyes and that lights up your body if I'm using his metaphor. But Jesus is actually saying the opposite. He's saying whatever is inside of you, whatever is underneath the surface, whatever's in your heart, whatever is in your body is gonna show up in your eyes. So if you have a healthy heart, if you've got a healthy internal life, if you've got a healthy mindset about resources and stuff, then that, that, that generosity that's already inside of you is going to show its way out. But if your eyes are unhealthy, if you're stingy, if you're holding on, the whole body's dark. And what he's saying is that darkness that's inside of you projects itself out as well. And so he's talking about the inside. And what I've found when it comes to topics like generosity, there's, there's typically two sort of extremes of the way that we think about it. One mindset is what we would call the scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset is one that is afraid. A scarcity mindset is one that says, I don't know if we're going to have enough. A scarcity mindset is a life of reaction to the world around us. A scarcity mindset is, I better hold on to what I have because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know what's going to happen. And so I better hoard whatever I have, whether it's money or at the beginning of the pandemic, TP or what, or hand center, whatever. That scarcity mindset is, I don't know. In an unhealthy, now there's a healthy version of this, but the unhealthy is, man, the world might fall, the other shoe's going to drop, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So scarcity is, I, I may not have enough, so I'm going to hold on to what I have. And sometimes we're impacted by that. I, I, I have friends that, uh, that grew up with so little in their lives, so little resource, so little stuff, that now as adults, they have a hard time letting go because they have this, this scarcity mentality built into them. I'm, I'm not judging that. I'm just saying it is a thing that we wrestle with. The other mindset, instead of scarcity, is what we'd call an abundant mindset. 
An abundant mindset says that I've got a heavenly father that gives me every single thing I need. Not necessarily everything I want, but he provides for my every need. Sort of like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I do not live in want. So a gener- a, 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 an abundance mindset says I've got a heavenly father that's going to provide for me. Uh, there's more than enough resources out there that, that, that there's... A, always going to be a way to be taken care of. And so instead of living from scarcity or living with lack, it comes from this place of abundance that says what I have isn't really mine. In fact, that's the way I think about that red checkbook is that's my grandfather's money. That's my grandfather's intention. As best I can, I want to do what he would want me to do if he could write that check today. And in a similar way, an abundance mindset says everything I have comes from God. In fact, everything I have is on loan from God. It's just just mine temporarily. And so as best as I can, I want to do what my heavenly father wants me to do. Does that make sense? It starts with mindset because Jesus knows that how we view the world impacts how we view our money. And so he starts on the inside, what's going on in your heart. And he's talking to the Pharisees who are wrestling with Jesus's version of the kingdom. And he's trying to help them see. So number one, there's this mindset of generosity, but then a second piece to us shifting from scarcity to abundance is number two, the motivation behind the generosity. There's the motivation behind it. And so Jesus is essentially teaching them that, that, man, if you could get your view of God right, your mindset right, that God's a God of abundance, that he doesn't lack anything, that, that if you read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it's all about God giving, God giving, God giving. It wasn't until Adam and Eve believed the lie of the enemy that taking became a thing. God gives, God gives, God gives, and then, then they show up and start taking, taking, taking. And so for all of us, it's like, how do we shift from taking to giving? Listen to what he says as he's teaching. After he teaches the Pharisees this lamp of the body, one of the Pharisees invites Jesus to come and have a meal with him. And uh, so Jesus says, all right, absolutely, I'll show up. But the problem is when he showed up, the Pharisees were blown away that Jesus did not wash his hands the way that they did. Now, I know we've got some middle schoolers in the room, so let me just point out that it's not that Jesus didn't wash his hands, right? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes kiddos don't enjoy washing their hands. It's not that Jesus didn't wash his hands, but he didn't do it the way the Pharisees thought he should. So he, essentially what happened is the Pharisees went back to the Old Testament and they found rules that God gave to the priests that that are supposed to be pure and clean. And God gave those priests, a small group of people, specific rules that when you wash your hands, you roll up your sleeves, you dip your hands down in the water a certain way, you bring them back up out a certain way, you let them drip dry a certain way. Jesus, or in the Old Testament, God had given these Levitical priests very specific instructions. Well, what the Pharisees decided to do is they decided to take something that was meant for a specific small group of people and apply it to everybody. So they they said to every young mom and to every young family and to every single person, you've got to do it this certain way. And, And so they took something that was meant for a small group of people for a very specific reason, tried to apply it to everybody. And Jesus had nothing to do with that. Jesus was like, that is not something that was meant to be applied to everybody. So Jesus didn't concern himself with that. While the Pharisees are having a meltdown over it, they're like, Jesus, what about your hands? And Jesus proves over and over again that he's less concerned with washing hands the way that they do it, and he's more concerned about the heart. So listen to what Jesus goes on to say in verse 
actually down in verse 39. The Lord said to them, Now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. Talk about a hard teaching. He's talking to some of the most religious leaders of the day. He says in verse 40, you foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside of you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe, I can't believe you're struggling with this. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without even knowing it. That is harsh. And so basically the Pharisees... They were, they were giving a tenth of their herbs. They were giving a tenth of the little things. They were, they were giving on the outside. On the outside, somebody might say, well, look at those people. They, they look like they have it together. Look at those people. Look how thoroughly they wash their hands. Isn't that great? Look at those religious people. Aren't they awesome? They, they tithe on the littlest things, on herbs and things in their little garden. Isn't that great? And Jesus says, look, on the outside, you're doing those things. But on the inside, you're like a tomb. On the outside, you look good. You've washed the outside of the cup. You've washed the outside of the thing. But why haven't you paid attention to what's going on inside of you? In other words, Jesus is saying, on the outside, you look like you have it together. But on the inside, you're a million miles away from me. And so Jesus focuses more, not on the percentage, not on the amount, but how's your heart? How's your heart? And really, that, that's, that's what generosity is about. It's not, do I have a lot of money or very little money? It's not, do I have a great job or not a great job? It's not about, did I, do I have a 401k or after the economy, a 201k? Or, uh, the question isn't about the amount. It's about what's going on in our hearts. Sometimes I'll... Um, I'll, instead of grabbing lunch, I'll just do one of those protein shakes. And so I'll, I'll get one of those shaker bottles that has that ball in it that you shake up. And so I'll put a scoop of, of protein in there. My favorite flavor, unsurprisingly, is salted caramel. So I'll have a salted caramel scoop in there. And then if I'm trying to be extra good, I'll put a, a scoop of greens in there. I don't remember what it's called, like greenology or something. It smells nasty, but, I've, but I'm like, it's supposedly good for me, so let me put myself there. So I'll, I'll make this, and then I'll put a little bit of uh, flaxseed oil in there. And so then I'll shake it up. I'll shake it up, and uh, then I'll drink it. And when I first would drink this, this concoction, it was like nasty. It was like, a, you know, not, not so good, but... I don't know, it's almost like we feel better when we feel like we've punished ourselves. I don't know why that is. I, you know, it was so nasty, it feels good, awesome, give me another one. Um, and when I first started making this, uh, sometimes I would forget my shaker bottle in the car or I'd forget it here in the office. And if I'm gonna be honest with you, the last time I looked in our lost and found downstairs, there was one of those shaker bottles that I think might be mine. And here's what I know is if you don't wash that thing the same day, when you, have any of y'all had this problem, you open it up and it smells like 
death. It's awful. And Jesus is saying to these guys, you can look good on the outside. You can wash the outside all you want. But if you open the top of your life, if you look underneath the surface and it smells like a tomb, something's wrong. And so again, he's talking about generosity. It starts with this mindset. How do I think about the world? Am I a scarcity thinker or am I an abundance thinker? Do I, do I feel like I have to hoard everything that I have or do I realize that everything I have is actually belongs to God anyway? He's just entrusting me with it. When I write that check, what would my father, what would my grandfather want me to do? Secondly, it leads to the motive behind it. It's this idea, uh, it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. It's not about the show, it's about what's going on here. It's not, are you flashy about it? It's what's underneath the surface, then the third piece of this is the mission behind it. What is the mission of generosity? What's interesting is, and I don't want you to just connect it to, Chuck mentioned we're in year end and, and uh, you know, we're asking people to be generous. Is that true? Absolutely. I mean, we believe God's called us to do amazing things as a church, but even if you're not connected to this church, even if this isn't your church home, I don't want you to think about this just through the lens of Sugar Hill Church. If you were somewhere else, somebody else, if you're connected to another nonprofit or whatever, it is, this is still important. This is a heart thing, not a, not a, not a us thing. When Jesus is teaching this, he wasn't the pastor of a church. He wasn't in a building program. He wasn't in a get out of debt program, yet he still talked about money 25% of the time because Jesus knows how we view our money affects how we view our life, that it's not really about money, it's about our hearts. And what's often true is that if you look at our checkbooks and our calendars, you actually see what's important to us. And so as Jesus is teaching, he says back in verse 41, as he's calling them out, he says, but now for what is inside of you, and so if there's something that is unhealthy in your heart, if there's something that's unhealthy underneath the surface, if there's this, this, this thing, for lack of a better word, that's rotting inside of you, if you want to heal that, if you want to overcome that, he says in verse 41, but now for what's inside of you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. It's as if Jesus is saying, if you recognize that something's not healthy in your heart, if you realize you've got an unhealthy view of stuff, it's like Jesus is saying, man, if, you, if you're wrestling with the things that you think you own and you realize they actually own you. He's saying, if you want to do battle against that, the way that you do battle against it isn't just to stop with the mindset, though mindset is important. It's not, uh, not that you would stop after you think about the motivation, though motivation is part of that. Jesus says a very real action step that you can take if you realize your stuff has a hold of you, if you realize you've been living from scarcity mindset instead of abundance mindset, if you've been trying to hoard everything around you, Jesus says, here's a very practical next step, give. Give. Do something about it. Don't just change your mindset. And don't just think about your motivation. Though those things are essential. Join the mission of generosity. 
And for Jesus, it wasn't about buildings. For Jesus, it wasn't about status. For Jesus, it wasn't about some, some, some flashy thing. For Jesus, his heart breaks for people that are in need. His heart breaks for people that need ministry. They need wholeness. They need help. They need somebody that will step up and to say, look, I've got more than enough. I know my heavenly father is an abundant father. I know he gives me everything I need. I know everything I have is on loan from him. I can't take it with me. As one of my friends said recently, when, when you're taken, uh, when you're buried in your grave, you can't have a U-Haul with you. You can't take it with you. And so as we join the heartbeat of God to say, I want to give to the things that are on the heart of God. I want to be generous. And so Jesus gives them this practical next step. And he says, man, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. And what's so interesting is generosity has this powerful effect on us that I think at first a lot of us buy into the mentality, well, I want to take, I want to take, I want to take. I think a lot of us are, you know, driven and we want to, we want to, you know, the American dream and all those things. But any person I've ever met that started down the path of generosity, I've never heard them regret it. I've never heard somebody say, well, you know, the moment I decided I was going to start to live from a place of generosity, um, man, my life started falling apart. And I've never heard that. What I have heard is people say, I wish I'd started sooner. What I have heard people say is, man, the more I have given, the more I have received, the more blessed it has been. And so one of the questions that people ask is, well, what do I do with that? And so the last piece of this is you think about mindset, you think about motivation, you think about mission. The last thing I'd mention about generosity is there's the movement of it. There's the movement of it. It's sort of like these steps over here, and I, I didn't tell the team I was going to do this, so uh, we don't have all the lighting and stuff, but I want to use these steps just as an example. Somebody asked the question, where do I even start? I mean, if you're in that place where you're like, man, I, I do feel that place of scarcity, or you, you feel like, man, I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do with that. It's sort of like steps up the stair. You just start where you're at. And so for some people, it's like, man, I've, I, I've never thought that way. I don't, I don't know if I could do anything. So step one really is to say, well, I'm gonna give something, right? As God puts something in front of me, something that's on his heart, whether it's to, uh, to the church or to the North Gwinnett Co-op or whatever that, that causes God puts in front of us. It says, man, I'm going to go from doing nothing to say, hey, I, I could do something. I could, I could give something. We're, we're, we're trying to come up with at least 100 holiday meals for people in our community. I, I could do something. I could, I, I could take some of my resources and put together a box of food or I could, I could give money towards that, right? Start somewhere. And then over time, it's to say, you know what, uh, I, I, I've given to a cause. Maybe I want to start giving more occasionally. Maybe when I hear about things that are going on, I hear about the, the needs that we have within our church and the, the ministry that God's called us to. I'm, I'm going to go from just giving one time, I'm going to start giving occasionally. As I'm able to, I'm going to start giving occasionally. It's sort of, there's movement to it. You just start where you're at, whatever that is, whatever that, that amount is, whatever that percentage is, whatever that thing is, just start where you are and say, man, I could give uh, you know, a gift. I could start giving occasionally. And then sort of the next step to the movement is to say, maybe I ought to start giving consistently. 
Maybe I just need to build that into my life. I remember in high school uh, at my church, I was volunteering running sound for a, a uh, sort of a financial class. And the guy that taught the class said, hey, here's a simple way to think about your life, that every time you get paid, uh, the first thing that you ought to do is think about giving to your local church. And so give 10%, save 10%, and then if you've got debt, use the third 10% to pay down debt and then live off the rest. So live off of the 70% instead of the 100%. And I was like, man, that, that, that makes sense. It was less about dollars, more about having a framework. So start somewhere. Start giving, you know, occasionally. Eventually the movement is, I wanna give regularly. Over time, what we've seen is, it's super powerful to say, I wanna be a percentage giver. I wanna be a percentage giver. I want, to, I want to make sure that as, for most people, the older they get, the more their income comes. And so instead of fixing it to a dollar amount to say, I, I want X percentage of my life to be given away to other ministries and, and missions. And then over time, what you begin to see is sometimes people become what we'd call sacrificial givers. They're like, man, God's just blessed us like crazy. My brother-in-law serves at a school called Letourneau University. And uh, uh, Mr. Letourneau was a very successful business guy. He had an earth-moving uh, business and, and his school is all around engineering and things in East Texas. But if you were just to go up the road about an hour towards Tacoa, there's actually a museum uh, named after him and his significance as a believer, as a business guy, as a guy that would have holes in his shoes as, a, as an executive he decided that they were going to live on 10% and give 90% away. I guarantee you that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen by accident, but it starts with a mindset to say, man, God is generous. It leads to motivation to say, I want to join the heartbeat of God. I want to give from a heart that is grateful, a heart that wants to join the work of God. It leads to this, this sense of, uh, of the mission to say, man, if I want to fight greed and I want to fight scarcity in my heart, fight, fight that, 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 that monster inside of me that always wants more, that I combat that by giving. And then to ask the question, how can I move along in my generosity. If I'm not giving anything to say, man, I wanna give something. If I'm giving something that I, I would give more regularly, if I'm giving regularly that I would consider being a percentage giver, that if I'm a percentage giver, I'd ask the question, God, is there something more? And I think at the end of the day, when we walk through the heartbeat of generosity, we get to the point where we realize what Jesus said is true. It really is more blessed to give than to receive. And I don't know about you guys, when I get to the end of my life and my friends are gathered around my hospital bed and when they have my funeral, I, I, I don't want them to talk about all the stuff that I accumulated. I want them to talk about, if they're gonna talk about something, how I joined the heartbeat of God and lived a generous life. And so I wanna encourage you today, if you're looking for that immeasurably more, Man, ask the question, ask the question, is my heartbeat a heart of generosity? Can I pray for us this morning? Would that be all right? Let's pray for us. And our team's gonna come back out and they're gonna lead us. And I wanna encourage you to take these moments just as a moment of reflection, a moment of, of introspection. There's absolutely no judgment here. I know sometimes uh, talking about money in a church could be triggering for folks because of past experience. And so I don't know what your background is, but uh, we believe 
that if it's important to Jesus, it's, it's got to be important to us and that we would be missing it if we didn't talk about money because it's really not about money. It's really about our hearts. Jesus is after our hearts. And so maybe as you're thinking today, as you're praying, maybe there's something God's put on your heart uh, about possessions and about stuff. And you just say, dear Jesus, would you help me to see this the way that you see it? Jesus, would you help me to have a, a mindset of generosity? Jesus, would you have me help me to have your heartbeat for it? And then maybe there is a next step that Jesus wants you to take. Maybe it's to give through the church. I, honestly, I'm a believer in that wherever my life is planted, that's, that's where I wanna give the most. But even if you don't give here, man, maybe there's another nonprofit, there's another mission. I would encourage you, what is that God's asking you to do? Is there a way that, that you could be generous in that? It's about the heart. I've got a friend that comes up here every few weeks and uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't necessarily have the resources at the moment on the finance side, but he's got the resources on the time side. And man, he serves his guts out. Nobody knows about it, nobody sees it, but man, he's like, as best as I can, I want to give want to give. Heavenly Father, thank you for today and for us to be able to have a conversation about something that, that's so important, that matters so much, our hearts. And Father, I pray that as we think about the stuff that we have, that the stuff wouldn't own us, but we would live life with open hands, realizing everything we have comes from you. And as best as we can, we want to live out your heartbeat. Father, help us as we think about finances and we think about time and we think about resources that in a similar way you instilled in me from my dad and my granddad to ask what would they want, God, help us to ask the question, what do you want? What are the things that are on your heart? What are the things that you care about? And God, would you help us to come alongside that and fuel that? Our prayer really is that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in Sugar Hill and around the globe, just as it is in heaven. Father, help us to be faithful to give to that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this together. Uh, Pastor Zach's going to wrap us up in just a moment. When you head out today, man, if you brought your boxes of food for the North Gwinnett Co-op, please drop those by Anne this morning out at the table. If you forgot them for any reason, no sweat. Just coordinate with her dropping that off. And then if you haven't met some people around you, just take a moment in the lobby to say hello, break the ice, get to know some people, uh, ask the question as we get into this last couple weeks of the year, who's somebody you could invite and pour into, but we love you guys. Let's, let's lift this up and then Zach, if you'll close us out.